It happened maybe five or ten centuries ago, so I will never know exactly how or why it happened. But back in the day, in ancient Europe, when they were handing out last names, they gave my family the last name Mettler. And now it's the one we've got forever. I'm sure you know that back in the day when they were giving out last names, last names were traditionally given either by whose son you were, John's son, Anders' son, Richard's son, or what hill or town you lived near, or what nickname your friends had already given you, or what you did in your community as a profession. Enter the Smiths, Bakers, and Fishers. My family's last name is Mettler. And to the best of our knowledge, meaning as far as we can see from Google, our last name has a few possibilities as to what it means. Our last name could simply be the name for a family that lived near Mettler, Switzerland, or our last name could be from a profession, either meaning mead maker or metal worker. So it's entirely possible that someone a few centuries ago ran into somebody from my family and had an experience with a skilled metal worker and it stuck. Personally, I like to think that back in the day, the metlers were the people you went to for your metalworking needs, although I'm not particularly handy. Just ask Glenn Kaiser when he comes back if he wants me to do any metalworking around church. Neither of those possible historical jobs really fit me or any Mettler I've ever met particularly well. So yes, it's probably time that we get back to our roots and really dig deep to find the inner metal. And I think those would be great skills to have. I wish I could be the person you all came to for your metal working needs. But our name was given a very long time ago when last names were given based on people's roles in their community how they related to others around them on their unique way of being in the world. And if our last name is indeed profession-based, it was clearly given sometime back before the Mettlers lost their medal. As we'll see today in scripture, as in Europe many generations ago, names given to persons have meanings and signify the kind of relationships that they have. In our passage today, we get to learn a new relationship-based name for the Holy Spirit who came to stay at Pentecost. When we get to Pentecost each year, we celebrate not just the one-time coming, but the permanent arrival of the Holy Spirit. The paraclete, who according to the book of Acts, came over a group of worshipers who were celebrating the Jewish Festival of Weeks. This is a festival of pilgrimage to Jerusalem, a festival of harvest feast. The Spirit came and lit the whole festival up with flames of fire on people's heads as they spoke in languages they had never known before. And the Spirit was just getting started. In the book of John, where we read today and throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as the truth teller, the teacher, the breath of new life, the one who testifies the witness. All of these are relational, active descriptors and describe the Spirit's particular way of being in the world and relating with us. Each way 
that the Spirit is described speaks of who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does in relationship. The Holy, the Holy Spirit has a special name in Greek. The word is parakletos. When we first hear Jesus say this word parakletos, it is at this meal in the Gospel of John. Jesus has just told his disciples he will not be with them forever. But he says there is someone who will. It's the parakletos. You can translate this Greek word as an English word, paraclete, or you can translate it in several words, in several descriptive words, such as counselor or comforter or helper, names which do all truly seem to fit our experience of the Holy Spirit's work. But there's some general agreement between scholars that there is one very best translation for parakletos, and that is the word advocate. An advocate is someone who comes alongside. The word parakletos literally means someone who is called to the side of another. What comes to mind, or maybe who, when you think of the word advocate? Do you know anyone who comes alongside and does this kind of work, who is someone who fights for truth, someone who argues and pleads for the very best outcome for someone who has been abused or neglected or wronged? An advocate is someone who convincingly speaks for someone whose voice is not being heard. An advocate uses their power to share it with someone who has had their power taken away. An advocate uses what they know and who they know to stand in the gap for someone who knows no one to help them. An advocate is not there to serve themselves, but to work entirely on behalf of another. An advocate is someone who speaks for you when you have no words. Have you known anyone like that? Or have you ever heard stories about someone like that? Have you maybe heard about Queen Esther in the Bible, the young woman who spoke to the king who risked her life to save the Jewish people from extermination? Or have you heard about William Wilberforce, the man who used his place in Britain's parliament to work for the abolition of not only the slave trade, but slavery itself? Have you heard about the folks today at the Equal Justice Initiative who amplify the stories of people wrongfully imprisoned so they can be rightfully freed? Have you heard about CASA volunteers, people who get to know some of the youngest and most vulnerable people in American society and speak up for their best interests in court? Have you ever seen an advocate like that in action? If you have, you'll know it's powerful to see because an advocate is a force. An advocate, if you have one, is someone you can trust with your life at a gut level because you know that that advocate is entirely for you. An advocate is a friend who comes alongside when they are needed most. In our story today, as Jesus sits with his own disciples for one last dinner, they are enjoying the presence of an advocate someone who has literally come alongside them for the last three years of their lives. And now he will go back to the Father to be advocate and interceder 
Wait, Jesus is going away? Did you hear that? How Jesus just said he's going away? Can you hear the disciples? And can't you just imagine their anxiety climbing with this announcement? Because right here in this passage, we're placed in the middle of the Last Supper in John's Gospel. And at this point, Jesus is telling them he's leaving. He knows he's going to be betrayed. And he's preparing the disciples for a future without his immediate friendship. Because no matter what happens to you when, you when you die, you want your people to be taken care of. And he knows that sometimes it helps to talk about these things before they happen. To say at this point in the story, to say that things are changing would be an understatement. Jesus is actually introducing a new era Life is going to be completely different after he leaves, just as life changed entirely when he came. With our 10,000-foot view from today, we can see how this was the transition from the end of Jesus' witness on the earth to the beginning of the church's spirit-empowered witness on the earth. But back in the moment, with the disciples, if we're just going to stay in this text, we can imagine that this is a highly anxious time for them. There is grief. Jesus is leaving and telling them that they're going to suffer. This is not how they imagined this supper was going to go. Then on top of it all, Judas leaves to betray Jesus. Everything is changing. And it seems that things can only get worse. Honestly, if I were a disciple, at the very moment when he makes this announcement, with the ground shifting beneath my feet, I would be existentially afraid. Unless I were Simon Peter, then I would be irrationally bold. But if I were any other disciple, I would be afraid. Because here, Jesus is weaving together a picture of the future. He's alternating promises of connection and strength with promises of suffering persecution and injustice. Speaking of the world, Jesus says, they don't know me. Just as the justice of this world was about to put Jesus to death, so the religion of the times was also misguided. They don't know me. He says, the disciples do, but the world does not. And the disciples are about to go out and face the world when Jesus leaves. So right now, they are just soaking in everything that he has to say, which is a lot. These are the final instructions from the, the Lord who has lived alongside them for three years has come alongside and lived. But the question in their minds might have been, if Jesus is the advocate alongside, what happens when Jesus leaves? Once you've lived with the Lord, how can you imagine living without him? Everything would feel absolutely empty without his presence. Or would it? 
earlier around the table, Jesus had shared that he was going to send his disciples an advocate. Here are his words. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. Here Jesus has promised that he would send his followers the spirit of truth, the spirit of adoption, who would affirm their connection to him by confirming that they belong to God as God's own children with no need to fear, even though, yes, they will suffer for Jesus' sake. He urges them, don't be afraid. Trust me. As Jesus speaks, he affirms not only the disciples' connection to him, he also affirms the connection of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the disciples can know that as their advocate Jesus goes to the Father, the Holy Spirit advocate, who is one with the Lord, comes to us. And it's going to be okay. Actually, what Jesus is saying now is that he would send his spirit and that it would be better than now. Better. Could it really be better when Jesus leaves? Can you imagine the disciples? But you're our teacher. Can the advocate teach us? Yes, Jesus would promise. The Spirit will teach you even more than I've had time to say. More things you aren't even ready to hear yet. But Jesus, you've prayed for us and with us. Is the advocate going to do that? Yes, the advocate will pray even with groans for you. Because now you have an Abba, you have a daddy, and when you need to, you can cry out to that daddy. But when you can't, the advocate will step in to pray when there are just no more words. This is what it's going to be like to live in relationship with him. It will be even better for you when the advocate comes, better than if I were living with you Better than me making you miraculous lunches that could feed an army. Better than eating and fishing with me. Can you imagine anything better than that? Better, he promises it is. Better than just sitting at his feet so we could listen to anything he will say. Even better is life with the Spirit, our advocate. Jesus could have said, I'm leaving, but I will be with you in spirit. But instead, what he does say is, when I leave, you will have my spirit forever. It's like he was saying way before Taylor Swift, the haters are going to hate. But the advocate is going to advocate right alongside you. You know how you disciples have not understood most of what I've had to say? And most of the time you can't remember it right after I've said it? The advocate will help you remember what I've said, will help you understand it even more than you do. There is even more. With this promise, Jesus is giving his people access to the full catalog by giving them the Holy Spirit 
access to the deep wisdom at the heart of life. The Spirit will listen to Jesus and teach Jesus' people everything about his message because Jesus belongs to the Father and we belong to Jesus. In the absence of a Jesus to walk and talk and eat fish with, there is the presence of the Spirit of Jesus. And it's not, he says, a lesser option. It's not a consolation prize. This is the gift. It is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus said. The advocate will give you the strength to live into this new chapter. All the disciples need are the words of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus. If we fast forward only a little bit, as the young church begins to live in this power, the witness of scripture is that yes, the spirit has continued the work of Jesus. And they do things that are more powerful than any they had seen before. The spirit of Jesus has come to help every believer live lives like Jesus, bold and beautiful and humble and sacrificial. And it's showing. The advocate is part of their daily life. It's written in scripture that the Holy Spirit leads the first believers to do some pretty wild things like how they were led to gladly give of their food, money, and property because it was the Jesus-y thing to do. And they cared for the most vulnerable in their society because that was also what Jesus would have done. And did the spirit alive in their witness convict the world about what righteousness and justice looked like? Of course, you know it did. It's always the spirit advocate who will enable God's people on a daily basis to fulfill the great commission in an unbelieving world. So if the spirit will just help the first believers and us witness to Jesus and convince the world that they have it wrong about justice and righteousness, then we can make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything Jesus taught. Right before he left, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. So today, as we end, let's thank God that there is an advocate loose in our world, speaking for truth and coming alongside of us, witnessing for Jesus as we set loose in the world and blown by the wind of the Spirit as we do the same. Amen.